This is the Podcasters Club, brought to you by Precision Podcasting. I am your host, Kane Power. This episode, I talk to Brian Barletta, who is an expert in podcast advertising and ad tech. He runs Sounds Profitable, which covers strategic and tactical changes to the business of podcasting via a podcast, a newsletter, and more. This episode is really a perfect follow-up to the previous episode about promotion. Almost like it was planned that way. So if you haven't heard that one, go and check it out after you're done here. It doesn't really matter which you listen to first. Today, you're going to hear some very wise words from a guy who knows a lot about podcast advertising. And during editing, I realized that some of the terms Brian uses might be unfamiliar to some of our listeners. So before we hear from Brian, I want to cover a few of the terms and the definitions that he uses. And if you know some of these, then hey, this is just a little refresher. Firstly, CPM stands for cost per mil, which actually means cost per thousand downloads. The difference between advertising and sponsorship is a bit of a grey area because technically sponsors do advertise, but most of the time if we're talking about advertising on a podcast, we're referring to an ad that's been placed in an episode for an agreed CPM. Whereas sponsorship often means the episode has been created with the help and financial input of most commonly an exclusive sponsor. They both result in ads on your podcast, but sponsorship might be a bit more significant. Next, when an ad is baked in to a podcast episode, it means the recorded ad is part of the audio file that has been published, and therefore part of the episode forever, unless you remove it from the original master file and re-upload without it. Dynamic ad insertion is when an ad is inserted into your episode by your hosting platform after publishing. This way, you can run ad campaigns across all your episodes and never have to remove or alter the original files. I think that's everything. If not, you can send me an email, kane at precisionpodcasting.com, and I'll clear it up for you, if I can. And now, let's hear from Brian Barletta. So I'm Brian Barletta of Sounds Profitable. I've been uh, running Sounds Profitable for about two years now, and I uh, pivoted over to that after working in ad tech for about 12 or 13 years total. First part of my career was all mobile advertising, and I was a product manager, sales engineer, technical account manager, you name it. And then I had the opportunity to get into attribution, specifically in the podcast space, with a company called AdTherent, and we spun out Barometric, which I was a founding member of. After about a year there, I wanted to try something different, so I went over to Megaphone, or as the senior product manager of data and monetization, and I was also their lead sales engineer. So my entire experience has been empowering the people who are making podcasts by supplying knowledgeable and actionable insights on how the ad tech works. And I did that for specific companies, and it was really cool, but... The truth is, is that we're not educating a lot of people in this space on how this technology works because the biggest shows in podcasting still use the same technology that's available to any serious podcaster, right? Any company that wants to sign up for Megaphone that hits their thresholds or Art19, Wooshka, Omni Studio, Simplecast, all of these platforms, they're where some of the biggest shows are. And so what you can do as an individual versus what you can do working for a big company, it's all the same. And we all need to learn it to better the space, to entice more advertisers in there, and really to grow the revenues and capabilities that we have available. And so that's what I do with Sounds Profitable. For the last two years, I've been writing a weekly newsletter. 
I record a weekly podcast with Ariel Nissenblatt. We also do the download, which is our Friday podcast that is 10 minutes or less, what happened this week and why it matters to those in the business world of podcasting. And we just keep expanding with the entire goal of bettering the individual while providing these services through sponsorship and support from some of the biggest companies in the space. Oh, dude. <laughs> Epic. That's awesome. Thank you. Now, on a super, super basic level, so someone's coming into this and they're like, I'd love to take podcasting a little bit more seriously and I'd love to maybe make some money from it. What would you say like, are the options in terms of advertising and sponsorship to an independent podcaster? I think this is a really tough conversation. I'm glad we're kicking it off at the beginning. I think that podcasting is a really fun art form. And I do a lot of creative writing. You know, I love tabletop role-playing games and things like that. I love video games and all of that. Nobody's going to pay me for those things. So those are a hobby. And it's okay to have hobbies. It's okay to have hobbies that you put tons of hours and thousands of dollars into and have fun with it. But the difference between a hobby and a business is how you invest in it. So if I ever decided I wanted to go professional as a dungeon master, then I would need to spend a substantial amount of money to make sure I have all the right equipment, that I am marketing my services, that I have a compelling sales offering, that my skills are top tier, the content I'm providing is the best out there. And even then, I can fail because small businesses do fail. Well, the big thing is that investment. So the first line I wanna draw really is, if this is fun and a hobby, then don't think about revenue because advertising is based off of a cost per thousand downloads. And so if your show, it takes six months to get a thousand downloads and you get paid out $10 for that one ad run on a thousand downloads, that $10 isn't going to make you too happy. And you're going to feel bad about that advertisement. And you're going to have to realize like, did I compromise? Was that really worth it? Is this what I want? But if it's a business and you invest in it and you grow your podcast and you advertise to get more downloads and you do cross promotions and you do true marketing and build it up there and you get to thousands of downloads, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands an episode like a business or you partner with a network that can grow you further, then that's where advertising makes sense because you have to make your money back. So I would say if you're interested in just making some extra money, off of what you're doing for a podcast. Anchor offers some really great and easy services. And I'd say Spreaker Voxness offers some pretty easy services too with a fairly low barrier of entry and decent prices, right? It's not gonna wow you. It's probably not gonna make your car payment necessarily, but it's a great entry level spot. As you get bigger, as you take it seriously as a business, it really just depends on who you align with. You could work with someone who represents your inventory. So that's as you get more and more downloads, you might find someone who wants to go to market and have you as a list of one of the shows that they represent. AdvertiseCast is a great example of that. True Native Media is another one. And then, you know, there might be even platforms. Megaphone, which is another version under Spotify, similar to Anchor and their total offerings. Red Circle, Podbean, all of these companies are out there where the offerings that can monetize your inventory as you get bigger. And even Gumball, right? Gumball is a great example of listing your inventory up there uh, somewhere in between someone repping you and someone just filling your inventory. It's like a marketplace where people can see it. So there's a lot of opportunities, but you just have to really decide what side you're on, right? Brian Barletta's Dungeons and Dragons podcast is probably going to be something for Anchor or uh, Spreaker Voxness. And if it grows, awesome. I can grow with those partners, make more money, and then maybe think about migrating, which you can always do later. But sounds profitable, might be something I want more control over. And so I run my podcast currently on Omni because I handle all my ads myself with no other third parties involved. Yep. You're awesome, dude. 
That's perfect. <laughs> I try. I mean, the hard part is, is like nobody wants to hear, you know, that you can't just print money with podcasting, right? Yeah. Everybody hears the success stories of just getting out there and talking into a microphone and boom, you're famous. And that was TikTok and that was YouTube and that was Instagram and all of that. We're kind of past that for podcasting. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you can't as a business figure it out. But if I told you I wanted to run a retail store or like sell clothing professionally and I didn't want to invest in marketing to sell it or the website or the physical location or anything like that, you would laugh at me. So yeah. if podcasting is a business, you have to invest in it. 100%. And, you know, thankfully we're in a world of podcasting where it doesn't have to make money. You can have a podcast for multiple reasons, community building, brand recognition. You know, you can have a podcast that doesn't make any money and it still be an extremely worthwhile thing to do. So, you know, thankfully it's not a black and white thing. If you're not in it to make money, then you're not in it. You can still just choose your reason for podcasting because there's many. Yeah. And you can always make money later. I mean, like, obviously if you hit a million downloads and you didn't monetize, you're like, oh no, I missed a million downloads, but you're probably at a momentum point. Yeah. Right. You're probably at the opportunity that like if you're growing and you hit a million total downloads, then what's next? What's two million and three million and four million? Just move on. You can always put ads in older episodes. Uh, you can always figure it out. There's no too late to podcast advertising, right? There really isn't. And, you know, I've just started doing a remastering offering with clients and I've just gone through one podcast in particular and we did over 300 episodes and their first 150 episodes, they did nothing with. It was community building. And then from that point, they started to monetize and drop in ads. So we went through the entire back catalog, removed all of the baked in ads, made them sound all nice, uploaded into a platform, in this case, Megaphone, with dynamic ad insertion. And now all of those old episodes are making them money. And they didn't even consider it until they were a few years in. And now those episodes are going to be working for them because the audience is so big. But that's such a cool thing to think about, right? That company, let's talk about them for a second there. They had an idea to build great content, right? Yeah. Did they put a lot of money into marketing? No. So in that situation, they built great content. They got pretty viral success enough so that they reflected on it and they could do advertising now. Thinking from the other side of it, I get advertising. Like, that's my business. That's what I understand. But I don't get how to produce a podcast. That's why I have Evo Terra on my team that handles building all of our content into something. I spit out my idea on a piece of paper. He edits it and makes it an awesome, you know, newsletter. And then I record, like we're doing right now, and I give that to him, and he makes it into an awesome podcast. It's important to remember that sometimes success happens, and you just, you're not going to magically be able to wear every hat. So that's why it's valuable as you hit that success point, collaborate with people, shop it around, right? You definitely shouldn't just reach out to one person and say, well, they said I can make $10 on it, call it a day. You should talk to everybody. And sometimes you might find that you don't want to talk to everybody. So you should hire somebody to talk to everybody for you. A hundred percent talking about the same podcast. Uh, it's a bourbon podcast. And so these guys grew their community over years before they started to monetize. And honestly, they weren't even considering monetization. And so that's something that I want to put to you is for these people, they were started to get approached by companies wanting to advertise on their podcast. They, you know, they were like, oh, people want to be involved with this. Hey, hold on a second. Maybe there's some money to be made here. You know, if that's not happening to people, if companies aren't reaching out to them directly, are they ready to advertise or yeah? at what point do you think a podcast is kind of ready to monetize their offering? I think the more niche you go, the more you're going to get the inbound requests. 
right? Like in that example there, they got inbound requests because they were covering something very specific and the people in that industry who spend those dollars found value in that content and wanted to be associated with it. So that's great there. That's truly it, right? Like if you corner a specific market, everything I write about and talk about is the business of podcasting from a technical lens. Like Sans probably has 4,500 subscribers of the newsletter. My podcast gets a couple hundred downloads an episode. Well, let me tell you, every one of those downloads is a qualified person in the space. There's someone either looking to break into the space or some of the smartest people in the space because they want to keep up on what's going on. And so because of that, that's why it sounds proper with 75 sponsors, right? On a CPM model, that doesn't work at all. But because of the content that's coming out, the value of being associated with the content and the value of the listeners, you can do quite a bit. Inbound happens sometimes. I think inbound's like a magical unicorn. Don't sit there and wait for it. But you need to really figure out who you resonate with. There are so many IT podcasts out there that have like a thousand downloads an episode that make half a million dollars a year in advertising because those 1,000 people listening to it are the qualified buyers at that company to buy a $500,000 contract for their company for some data vendor. And so what's the opportunity cost there? If an advertiser says, well, if I get in front of these people 52 times a year, and it's a thousand people, and it's great association of content, and it costs me a hundred thousand dollars. And that CPM doesn't work in that example, right? That's through the roof, amazing. That's sponsorship, really. Then in that situation, all they have to do is close a fifth of a sale, right? You know what I mean? Like the margin for their conversion to make that happen is incredibly low, and that's really exciting there. So I would say if your goal is to build something for advertising, either put a ton of budget into it to explode it and get mass appeal, incredibly difficult, or corner a market with an expert. And I wouldn't sit there waiting for somebody to come in. But one thing that we you said there, and let's dig into this with the, the Bourbon Podcast, was it advertisement or was it sponsorship? Like, did they come in and say, we'd like to pay you per number of downloads? Or did they say, we'd like to be associated with your content for a certain period of time? Yeah, I think it was the latter. I have had a conversation with him about the process, but you know I'm not privy to all of the goings on behind the scene. No, but that's a good distinction. Mm. Yeah, but you think about it this way, right? Uh, CPM is in the benefit of the advertiser. The advertiser's trying to make their dollars go as far as possible. And I think that's really cool, right? Because in the advertiser's mind, they're paying for every individual transaction. So they have to make that applicable across the board. But sometimes a publisher is gonna have enough value that they wanna treat differently with them. And so a publisher's best interest is sponsorship. And that says, I'm going to put out this content. Here's my general reach. Here's what it costs. Here's a flat fee. Sponsorship enables the publisher to be more creative. It's not just about the numbers that come through, right? You might accidentally realize that you're releasing an episode on the 4th of July and tank those numbers because nobody really wants to listen about podcast ad tech on the 4th of July. But that episode still has value and that episode could have value for months to come if it's baked in, right? Or years to come if it's a valuable and associated relationship. That content could become accessible for that advertiser to promote elsewhere. You do social promotion with it, video, all of these different combined things. So CPM is for an advertiser who wants reach and to work with as many people as possible, host or announcer read, it doesn't matter. But sponsorship is when a publisher says, I have a unique value proposition, give me a shot. Yeah. Something that you keep saying is value. And I would really love your opinion on how to assign value to your audience. You know, we're talking niche audiences here and podcasting is such a unique platform in that 
the relationship that you have with your audience. You know, you said before that download numbers don't matter so much as the value of the people that are listening. You know, as a content creator, how do you reconcile the value to your, or how do you um, relate that value to potential sponsors? I think surveys are a really great way to do that. And I think even the most niche content will still have pretty average survey response rates, right? Five to 15% of the audience. I thought I was going to be the anomaly when we ran a survey because I'm like, ah, I'm literally talking to the people who run surveys for their shows and for their networks. Of course, they're going to want to experience it from the listener point of view. I got solidly 5%. Uh, (laughs) And so that was, you know, don't overestimate the power in your niche or the uniqueness of your relationship with them, but don't also underestimate the, the value of your audience. So that survey tells you a little bit about who they are, you know, where they're located, what type of content they listen to, all sorts of interesting things, their employment status, what companies they work at or the type of company. You can really go as surface or deep as you want to. Edison Research has a really great template that they make available on their website that I recommend everybody run at least once a quarter, if not twice a year, and just kind of get feedback from everybody on it because that's a great way to show that. But Podcasting more and more is being proven to just be a content source. I think as we see Spotify and YouTube and all these companies push podcasters to explore video, I think as transcripts become more popular and become, which they should for accessibility reasons, but also become another way to share that as a newsletter if for the people who don't want to listen, they do want to read. Bite-sized clips, all of this stuff, podcasters are learning more and more about building a community and figuring out what environments they're on. If you have a big social following, there are plenty of tools that can tell you about your following based on their activity and whatnot and all their demographic and behavioral data. It's accessible, right? That is the type of data you can buy out there. But then, you know, discords are super popular. I'm on at least three podcast discords because they have a community, they have a Patreon, they have all this. So I would throw it back and basically say, it is on the podcaster to say why they're unique. If you're not unique, and it's okay to not be unique, right? The dollar store still does numbers. So if you're not unique, CPM is how to go. Downloads matter way more. If you are unique, you will find a way to show that you're unique. And what you really want to show is, I have engaged audience. This is what they look like. This is what my content is like. And this is why it matters. Yep. Absolute truth. So let's say that you've done that. You've researched your demographic. You've targeted your audience, you know exactly who you're speaking to and what value they bring. How do you kind of communicate that to potential sponsors? Firstly, who do you even approach? Obviously, you're going to think about people to do with your niche uh, and in in your world. How do you start that conversation? I think until you hit 25,000 downloads, it's really difficult, right? I think 25,000 downloads in a 30-day period per episode is a real big starting point where people are going to answer more of your emails. You might be able to work with a bigger rep firm. You might be able to uh, fit better on something like Gumball. Uh, You might be able to have those direct relationships. That's really powerful. But under that, I think the truth is, is that it's a crapshoot. Manscaped is out there posting on Twitter saying, what podcast should we advertise in? And people post their podcasts and they come by advertisement on a podcast that has a thousand downloads in a month. So there are avenues and options for things like that, but it's never a bad thing to just email somebody. Make a one-sheeter. Say, this is my audience. This is my show. This is what we do. This is why I think we're a good fit. I'd love to hear back from you. They might say no. They might not respond at all. They might tell you where you can improve or they might say yes and surprise you. So I think that's really important is to 
Remember that like if you take a risk at 5,000 downloads, it doesn't mean to not take the risk again at 25,000 downloads for episode in a 30-day period. But I think until you get bigger, until we're talking 100,000 downloads in a month, it might be hard to go direct, but you can always move away from that. You can always have other people represent your inventory aggregate wise on something like Megaphone or Red Circle or directly on Gumball uh, through their marketplace and have that pulled in or have like a network represent you. And you can always revisit that at six months, at 12 months and decide I've grown so big, I wanna do it myself. So that's the best part. Sign contracts, have relationships today and hate it. Hate giving somebody else a percentage of your revenue and then figure out how to do it yourself or figure out what you don't wanna do. I kind of want to move on a little bit towards the different types of ads that appear on podcasts and specifically between baked in ads and dynamic insertion. I was wondering if you could help define them for our listeners and then maybe give some pros and cons. There are two types of ads really, or I guess three. Host read, the person like it right now, if I said, you know, go grab Simply Safe with promo code sounds profitable, that's a host read ad. Then we have announcer ad, which is if someone not one of the two of us said that. And then producer red. So if your editor, a persistent background voice who only comes to talk about ads came on. Those are the three creative executions. That's it. The delivery mechanisms are a little bit different. Baked in is the mindset that when you build this episode, the ad is part of it. Whether that's interwoven, like I just said, because if I start talking and I just say simply safe, there's nowhere for you to cut that out and make that an ad insertion point or anything like that. That's baked in, that's inline, that's part of the MP3 that you upload to your hosting platform. Everybody who downloads gets it. Dynamic ad insertion is if we say, and we'll be right back after a quick break. Not the best way to go about it, but you get what I mean. And then when you're editing it, when you've uploaded it into your hosting platform, you say, here is the ad point. If an ad is eligible based on my ad server in my hosting platform, then fill it in there. And so they make a unique MP3 every download right? Every unique download request, they say, could I have the file? And the hosting platform says, I see two ad insertion points. Does any ad match? And then they would put them in there and build a unique episode for me versus you and whatnot. And then programmatic is an offshoot of that. Dynamic ad insertion is usually based around the idea that my hosting platform also is my ad server and is picking a unique ad. Programmatic is the idea that my ad server is gonna call another ad server and say, do you have an ad? And if that ad server says yes, it sends the file back to my ad server and my ad server determines, does this campaign fit? And then it puts it in there. Now, programmatic can be handled still one-to-one -one in the same way. It's all going to be announcer read for programmatic, but dynamic and baked in can be host read. That's the big difference for that. We have the creative execution host, producer, announcer. Then we have the delivery mechanism, baked in, dynamic, and a subset of dynamic is programmatic. I advocate for everybody to use at least dynamic because if you bake it in and then that advertiser three years later does something terrible and you don't wanna be associated with them, it's not like you can easily turn it off. You have to remember what episode they're in, which your hosting platform doesn't record that. And then you have to go edit the file and re-upload the file. Whereas if that happened today in dynamic ad insertion, I can just go search for the campaign by advertiser, just turn it off. And then immediately it's done. Yeah. 
Wow. Brian, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. An incredible amount of information. Thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. So a lot to digest there. Hopefully what Brian had to say has given you some valuable perspective on how podcast advertising works and encouraged you to put in the work required to begin monetizing your podcast if that is a goal for your show. I want to thank Brian Barletta for taking the time to share his knowledge with us. You can find more of Brian and listen to his podcast at soundsprofitable.com. Till next time. This podcast was created by Precision Podcasting. We make podcasts sound better. For more about what we do, resources on podcasting, and if you'd like to get in touch, visit precisionpodcasting.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash podcasting. Yes, that is spelled the way it sounds. If you'd like to hear more episodes, make sure to hit subscribe. Thanks for listening.